and it's called the land of the brave. The whole world knows our name. One podcast i'm your host of course joshua stanko and um let's get into it shall we i I do have to preface this by saying that you know i've been doing this now for almost a year at this point Uh, it's about eight eight and a half nine months or so and uh you know in that time i have gotten to to cover some (laughs) some very interesting things some if not downright horrifying things no, because we do, we do live in a time where the news just kind of writes itself. Every single day there's some sort of fire going on. Every single day there's some sort of leftist, ridiculous, looney tune scheme going on that has to be covered and talked about and broken to the public and this and that and all that crap. Um, but in regards to this weekend, in regards to the situation in Ukraine, this is easily, easily one of the worst things that I have seen in my life, just in my life. Not even starting the show, in my life. So what am I talking about? On Friday, National Security Advisor to the White House, Jake Sullivan, openly announced that an invasion from Russia into Ukraine is imminent. It, it might not even be after the Olympics, it could happen within the next 24 hours. And what did he have to say to the American citizens who are still in Ukraine. And I now want to take a moment to echo what both President Biden and Secretary Blinken have already said. We encourage all American citizens who remain in Ukraine to depart immediately. We want to be crystal clear on this point. Any American in Ukraine should leave as soon as possible and in any event in the next 24 to 48 hours. We obviously cannot predict the future. We don't know exactly what is going to happen, but the risk is now high enough and the threat is now immediate enough that this is what prudence demands. If you stay, you are assuming risk with no guarantee that there will be any other opportunity to leave and there no prospect of a U.S. military evacuation in the event of a Russian invasion. If a Russian attack on Ukraine proceeds, it is likely to begin with aerial bombing and missile attacks that could obviously kill civilians without regard to their nationality. A subsequent ground invasion would involve the onslaught of a massive force. With virtually no notice, communications to arrange a departure could be severed and commercial transit halted. No one would be able to count on air or rail or road departures once military action got underway. So you're on your own. You're on your own. If you are an American citizen now trapped in Ukraine, you are on your own. The U.S. government, the U.S. military is not, is not coming for you. I I, I can't think of a better example to emphasize the point that this administration, this presidency, does not care about you. 
It does not care about you. If you are an American citizen, to Joe Biden and his lackeys, you are acceptable collateral damage. Okay, they knew that this threat from Russia was coming and they are waiting until 24 freaking hours from a possible invasion to say that we are not going to help you if you get trapped. That departing is entirely, entirely on you. And guess what? If the invasion does occur in the next 24 hours, aerial bombings, land incursions, it would make departure virtually impossible. But either way, it's up to you, not us, not the people you elected, not the people you charged with your safety, your well-being, your national security, and your national interests. It is up to you, solely and totally up to you, to fix this problem. And you know the thing, the thing that really pushes this over the top, just just over the top. This is already really, really, really bad, but the thing that makes this absolutely, absolutely over the top, batshit insane, is this. The State Department announced that if you are a U.S. citizen in Ukraine, guess what? You can find safety in Poland. You can go to Poland. You can go to the U.S. Embassy there. The State Department said this. But guess what? You need two things. You need your United States passport to get into Poland. And can you guess what else you need? Can you guess what other documentation you need to flee the predations of a bunch of vodka-drinking, potato-farming, Fruit Loop communists? Do you know what you need to get yourself to safety? A vaccination card! Woo! You know, th there, there, is, there has been some truly, just truly evil people in our government before. Barack Obama, Barack Obama definitely comes to mind. The, the race baiter in chief, the man who is, I would say, single-handedly responsible for resetting racial relations in this country to the tune of 60 freaking years. A man who actively and repeatedly ignored credible intelligence on what was then the upcoming threat of ISIS. Why? Because it was an election season. And if you don't believe me, don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Take the former head of the Department of the Intelligence Agency, Michael Flynn. He was the head of the DIA under Obama. He had this to say in 2014 on CNN with Jake Tapper. In 2012, your agency put out a now declassified report that seems to have predicted the rise of ISIS to power. You said the deteriorating security situation in Iraq and Syria could lead to the declaration of a, quote, Islamic State through union with other terrorist organizations in Iraq and Syria, which will create grave danger in regards to unifying Iraq and the protection of its territory. It was not long after you issued that report yeah. uh, that President Obama referred to ISIS as the JV team. Yeah. Do you feel as though your warnings were ignored? You know, I think that they um, did not meet a, a particular narrative that the White House needed, and, I, and I'll be very candid with you. I have said, and I believe that the people that were around the president, his sort of inner circle that were advising him, I think advised him incorrectly. What was the narrative? I what? think the narrative was that Al Qaeda was on the run, and and and, and Bin election, Laden was dead, and and he was the election narrative. And he, yeah, and they were and they were dead, and you know, and these guys are these guys are uh, you know we've beaten them. And there it is. Right, there it is, right? There is no denying that there are a lot, a lot of people who would be alive today if Barack Obama cared about literally anyone, literally anyone other than himself. He 
is an evil, evil, evil man. And you know what? He's not alone. He's not alone. He's just part of a sect of people who are uniquely capable of turning off any sort of morality in order to advance their own agendas. Right? But Joe Biden? Joe Biden, he's a little bit different. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? He's still totally and completely self-serving. But he's also a cold and uh, a cruel and, frankly, an incompetent bastard who does cold and cruel things out of a combination of both arrogance and a combination of the sheer love of cruelty, right? He, he will block, actively block, third parties from evacuating the Christians and the American citizens that he left to die in Afghanistan. Why? Because it would make him look bad if they did what he couldn't, right? He will actively ignore the advice of his military leaders and abandon Bagram Air Base. Why? Because he wanted us out of Afghanistan as quickly and as cheaply as possible. He will waive sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, allowing Russia to grow and in increase European dependency on natural oil through Russia, while simultaneously getting 60,000 Americans fired in Pennsylvania for having the audacity to be in that very same line of work. And he will leave our people to die in Ukraine. He will leave our allies to die in Ukraine because he can. All the while threatening Putin with economic sanctions, like that's somehow going to do anything. He knows it's not going to do anything. Everyone in his administration knows that it's not going to do anything. And how do I know that? Because they're still saying that the threat of an invasion is imminent. If they knew that sanctions were going to work, everything would be fine. Russia would withdraw. We would all be home right now drinking cocoa and being happy, but we're not. And the Russians aren't either. They're out there at the border getting ready to move in. And you know, Biden, his, his approval ratings, they're in the toilet. They really have been since the fall of Afghanistan, right? They're in like the low 30s in some polls right now. And yet nothing, Nothing that Joe Biden is doing right now appears to be about saving face, appears to be about regaining any sort of credibility or improving his image at all. And why is that? It's because he doesn't care about wooing people, right? He thinks that if you don't like him, it's because you're an idiot. He thinks that if you don't agree with him on policies, it's because you're a racist, right? He thinks that if you have the audacity to suggest that he is not, in fact, above reproach that it's because you're a, a dog-faced pony soldier. He is a decrepit, miserable, dementia-ridden bastard. And don't take my word for it. Take it from the globe. That says it all, folks. That says it all. He is getting our people killed. He is getting our allies killed. He is burning every single bridge that we have, that we have. And you know, people would say that, that, that Trump made us a mockery on the international stage, right? And maybe he did, maybe he did, at least initially, right? But I, I tell you what, I tell you what, at least our enemies learned to fear Trump. At least our allies trusted Trump to keep his promises. Even if they didn't personally like him, at least they trusted him. 
Not Biden, though. Not Biden, though. And you want to talk about being a mockery on the international stage? How, how about burning our allies? How about breaking promises to the people that we swore to protect if they helped us out? How about uh, not even having the guts to save your own citizens? Not even your allies. Save your own citizens and not even have the balls to do it, to just do the bare minimum, just the bare minimum. And now Ukraine is set to fall to Russia. And guess what? Taiwan will soon fall to China too. And do you think it ends there? Do you really think China won't set its sights on Japan? Do you really think that Russia won't seek to expand once the whole of Europe is pretty much solely dependent on them for fuel and Ukraine is now cut out as the middleman between all that? Do you think it ends there? No. No, it never ends. You give evil people the room to grow, they absolutely will. This isolationist mentality when it comes to foreign policy, the idea that we can just line our shores with all our soldiers and everything will be fine, is a lie. It's an absolute lie. Because while you may respect borders, guess what? Russia doesn't. China doesn't. ISIS doesn't. The Taliban doesn't. Iran, right, is getting ready to, to make nuclear moves against Israel. They don't either. Terrorists, murderers, communists, they do not care about borders. They do not care about your rules. And so, no, you, you can't just stick to your shores and pretend everything's going to be fine. When you are a nation with international threats, with international allyships, with, with international dependencies, what is it like, like in Taiwan, like 80% of all microchips that are produced are in Taiwan. If China takes that, they will have nearly a, an entire monopoly on, on the whole microchip market and we could be, we could be screwed. We could be screwed. And that is going to matter because guess what? We have international dependencies as well as international threats. And you know, the thing that burns me about all of this is that regardless of your thoughts on the 2020 election, whatever you think about it, there is one fact that's undeniable and that is that there were, there are tens of millions of Americans who voted for Biden. Never Trumpers, anybody but Trump. Here we are. Was it, was it worth it? Was it worth it to treat the presidency, to treat politics like a popularity contest? This is something that I, I, never, I never understood this. This, this, this insistence that we have to like and love the person that we're voting for. Right? That it, that it is just a, a big old popularity contest. Do you need to be a 100% moral person in, or, in order to be an effective president? I, I think Donald Trump is good evidence to the contrary. He's a man who came into office with some really, really big moral flaws. And guess what? He did some really, really, really big, awesome stuff. And I know there are people out there who said that he increased the division in our country. To that, I say bullshit. That's a bunch of baloney through and through. He didn't increase the division in our nation. He simply voiced the division that was already there. 
that was there under eight years of Obama. For eight freaking years, Obama shook his fist, scolded Americans, looked down on conservatives and Republicans, half the country like they were idiotic, moronic scum. He would get out there and he would stand on the graves of the children of Sandy Hook and say that if you didn't agree with him on his prescription to gun policy, that it's because you don't care about these kids. He would get out there and say that Trayvon Martin could have been his son. He would have endorsed and turned a blind eye to Ferguson burning to the ground over the, the death of, of Michael Brown based on, the, based on the lie that Michael Brown got down on his knees with his hands up saying, don't shoot, and was shot. In reality, Michael Brown stole from a convenience store, tackled a cop, wrestled him for his gun, and got shot. But to Obama, it was all hunky-dory because the cops are racist. This is a man who reset racial relations to the tune of six freaking decades, as I said. The division was already there to a degree, but Obama ripped it open a mile wide in order to increase his own authority. Trump didn't make it any worse, he just voiced what was already there. He just said the quiet part out loud, and that there is half a freaking country out there who is pissed at these leftist snobs who look down on us, who want to control us, who think that they can run our lives, raise our children better than we can. And he said, enough. That is the legacy of Donald Trump. Not January 6th, not even the tweets. Just that he started a movement. He gave people the steel that they needed to stand up and join him in that effort and to say enough. To say enough, and you look at Biden, Mr. Popularity, Mr. Houseplant, as, as Ben Shapiro likes to call him, right? He wasn't Trump. He wasn't Trump. He didn't have the mouth that Trump had. Therefore, he was more likable, right? Therefore, he was more popular. Well, guess what? You got your, your popular president. And where is our country now? Where are our allies now? Where are our citizens now in Ukraine and in Afghanistan? They are all being left to die by this man who, again, considers you, considers me, considers any American citizen in this country or abroad to be an acceptable collateral loss, an acceptable amount of collateral damage if anything bad happens. He does not care about this country. He does not care about you, and neither does anybody in his administration. And that is patently clear in all of this. Now, how do we come back from that? Right, right, how, how, do we, how do we come back from this? Well, the November elections are coming up. And, you know, conservatives for a long time, we've just been living from one election to the next, it feels like. We, we hear about the silent majority, right, that, that, that supposedly exists out there. And I, I, I do believe that there are, there, there are millions and millions of Americans who, who agree with me, agree with you. Um, on issues like these, but elections aren't enough. They've never really been enough because for the last six decades, the left has been taking the war to culture, to schools, to entertainment, and they've gotten a foothold in all of those industries. All of our major institutions are either directly controlled or extraordinarily influenced by the far left at this point. So no, just waiting out an election to an election, that's just not acceptable anymore. That's why I've been feel like I've been shouting from the rooftops and starting this show that all of our efforts, even all of our efforts down to the individual, that they matter, that what you do in your day-to-day -day life, that that matters. 
how you choose to speak up, how you choose to get involved, that matters, that makes a difference. All of us have unique talents and qualifications and an ability to enter into this culture war and do something about it because all of us are living in that culture, which means we all have the opportunity to influence it, even in a small way. And it's a thousand small things together that make a really big thing. That's how we come back from that. Getting up, speaking up, getting involved, making noise, being rowdy. Peaceably, yes. Respectfully, ideally, and nonviolently, absolutely, absolutely. But if you don't want to see Americans being left to die in foreign countries to the predations of, of communists and, and uh, Taliban terrorists, then you got to do something, man. It's not just on the people that you elect. It's on all of us. It's on all of us. Anyways, moving on. Okay, so you guys might have heard about this. Um, apparently, there's some sort of protest going on in Canada right now over vaccine mandates. And I know what you're thinking. It's really hard to believe that there are any Canadians capable of standing up to the government. But apparently there are. At least a lot of the truckers, they're, they're really... I'll give them credit, they're really jamming up the works up there, blocking the roads, the bridges, shutting down the border, a couple of spots, really making Justin Trudeau, the, the king of Canada, um, really, really feel it over these vaccine mandates. Um, but Justin Trudeau, again, the blackface-wearing king of Canada, uh, he went out in an interview recently and had an interesting theory about the cause to this uh, whole thing, right? It wasn't his policies, right? It wasn't his vaccine mandate, and I'm not giving medical advice, and I have to say that I'm not giving medical advice lest we be ripped off of YouTube in a heartbeat. But no, it wasn't about his vaccine mandates. No, 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 no. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's the American people's fault. It's the alt-right's fault. So what did he say? This morning I had a direct call. Wait, 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 wait. sorry. Uh, let me do this as Trudeau would say it. This morning I had a direct call with President Biden to talk about our shared challenges at the border, eh? I updated him on the situation, boo, particularly in Windsor, boo. We discussed the American and indeed the global influences on the protest, eh? We talked about the US-based flooding of the 9-11 phone lines in Ottawa, boo, the presence of US citizens in the blockades, boo, and the impact of foreign money to fund this illegal activity, eh? <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so uh, apparently it's it's the American people's fault for funding this and, and joining in these protests and voicing local support over these protests as well. It's it's our fault, it's not his fault. That is such a Canadian thing to do. And I rag on Canada, why? Well, one, because it's really, really easy to make fun of Canadians. And two, I mean, let's not pretend that the people running that country have any sort of respect for the American people. CNN itself had up an article not so long ago titled, Even Canadians Fear U.S. Democracy Could End Soon, right? The United States is coming to an end. The question is how? 
Those are the jarring opening lines of Canadian author Stephen March's new book, The Next Civil War, Dispatches from the American Future, released the same week as the anniversary of the January 6th attack on our capital that signaled how dangerous our political polarization has become. And, you know, I guess my main point on, on all of this is that, one, the people running Canada are absolutely, completely insane and incapable of holding themselves accountable on any level whatsoever, whatsoever, uh, incapable of holding any sort of standard to themselves whatsoever. Um, and, and two, just to highlight the the sycophantic love affair that, uh, that leftists, that Democrats have with socialist communist countries. If you were to look at the coverage of these uh, protests from places like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, uh, NBC um, what you would see is them actively siding with the Canadian government right now, calling these truckers terrorists. So, you know, there's been no violence yet, but that doesn't mean that these things are peaceful, right? I guess they just like blocked the tw summer of 2020 out of their minds completely as billions of dollars of property damage occurs at the BLM. Riots, not protest, riots. But no, these, these protests are really, really bad. The Canadian government is really, really good. We need to take their opinions of the US very, very seriously. And my question is why? I, I never understood I never understood the left's insistence that we need to, one, care about the opinions of foreign countries, and, and, and two, that a socialist communist government is really the right government to begin with. If you actually believe that, that's where you'd be living. But you don't. You live in America, where you thrive on capitalism and individual freedom, right? All the while trying to compromise both capitalism and individual freedom, freedom right? But why do we need to worry ourselves with the opinions of Canadians? Why? Because they're doing, the, the, these experts at democracy, these geniuses of freedom, these people who are arresting priests for holding mass during COVID while letting the pot shop stay open, these people who are arresting parents for not honoring their child's pronouns, right? Who are arresting comedians for making jokes about trans people, right? These people who are uh, attempting to jail truckers for peacefully protesting, for refusing to take a vaccine. These are the people that we need to worry about. These are the people we need to live up to. If things were so great in Canada, then how come tens of thousands of Canadians every single year hop the border into the U.S. to get excellent medical care? It's because Canada's a joke. It's always been a joke. The people running it are a joke. Their accents are very, very funny. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, this is just this is just absolutely uh, insane. And I, I will say honestly, I am greatly disappointed. I'm, I'm very happy that the protests are going on right now. They are an objectively good thing, and it is objectively good that these protests have all been peaceful. All right. Um, I will say I am extraordinarily disappointed. Um, if I were to give my own opinion on a foreign country, I am extraordinarily disappointed that they haven't occurred sooner. Right. I mean, this has been going on for two years now. They, again, they've arrested pastors for holding mass. They've been arresting parents for not uh, uh, honoring their child's perceived pronouns, right? They've been arresting comedians. They've been shutting down the, uh, actively shutting down and barring free speech and um, freedom of association and freedom of religion, right? They, 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 that, that ridiculous law that they were looking at passing, right, that makes it, that essentially says that 
any form of teaching that says that heterosexuality is the natural form of sexuality, and it is the natural form. How do I know that? Because there's only one way to procreate, and that is for a man and a woman to get together and make love, right? There's no other way you get a baby out of that situation without the pieces of a man and a woman. So heterosexuality is absolutely the natural sexuality of the human race. But to teach that is now a form of conversion therapy, and you could lose your non-charity status, and you could l go to jail for teaching that in a religious setting in Canada right now. But these are the people we need to look up to. Or alternatively, we can tell them to go to hell. We can continue to support the people who actually love freedom and live in Canada and are fighting for it right now. And we could tell the left that, hey, you got a year and a half of cities on fire, of businesses on fire, of churches on fire, calling it peaceful the whole time. So no, you don't get to report on this and pretend that you give a shit about anything like violence, like freedom, or like general, uh, I don't know, honesty, decency, and journalistic integrity. You don't care about any of those things. We don't have to listen to you. We're not listening to you. We're not listening to you. And that's something that CNN just can't grasp, right? They can't understand why, why we aren't listening to leftist journalists, right? They can't understand why people are turning into Joe Rogan, right? It, 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 it makes their brains hurt. They just can't understand it. They can't understand it. But I have a visual medium here I want to share with you explaining how a leftist mind works, right? So, you know, this has been in the news for a while now, right? The Joe Rogan controversy coming under fire at Spotify and Brian Stelter getting out there and saying, you know, you know, Joe Rogan, he just wings it. You know, why is anybody listening to this guy instead of a reputable news agency, right? And that's because of this. What this is, what this little flower is inside the box, that is the human mind, okay? That is the human mind. Now, when you do this right, right, you think outside the box. You open up this little box, you let the sun in, the flower grows. How do you do that? Again, you think outside the box. You have a willingness to sit down, as Joe Rogan does, with people from all sides of the political aisle, and you have intelligent conversations with them in order to learn their perspective, in order to gain new information, in order to grow your own intellect and your own, your own intellect and your own understanding of the way the world works, right? You do that. You think outside the box. You grow your mind and your ability to complex problems solve and to be able to engage in empathy and understand people a little bit more, understand the world a little bit more. But what happens if you are so glued to the way that your mind works? What if you are so glued to that which you already know that you refuse to go out, refuse to engage in conversations with anybody else, especially people who disagree with you, when you are patently refusing to let go of your preconceived notions of the world and just label everyone and anyone who disagrees with you as a racist moron droog. Well, this is what happens. Your brain turns to dog shit because you never opened the box, you never let the sun in, and you never tried to grow as a person, 
You never tried to grow your understanding of the world. All you were interested in is your own opinion, which is junk. Their, their opinion is junk because they are incapable of putting themselves in anyone else's shoes. They are incapable of hearing facts they don't agree with. They are incapable of having rational debates and rational conversations. They are incapable of believing that anyone who doesn't agree with them doesn't agree with them, not because the person is evil and not because the person is still a good person, but they just disagree with them. They're incapable of believing that the person could disagree with them and not be racist and not be evil and not be an idiot, right? They are incapable of understanding that they're incapable of opening that box and their brain turns to dog shit, which is why they have morons like Don Lemon and Brian Stelter and formerly uh, Chris Cuomo running things over at CNN. That's why. Good Lord. But with that little sanctimonious rant out of the way, let's move on. All right, guys, so that wraps up today's episode. But before I sign off, I did want to make clear our schedule going forward Monday and Wednesday evenings. That is when new episodes will be dropping. It's not on Fridays anymore. It's not on Monday and Thursday sometimes. It's Monday and Wednesday evenings. That is our schedule. That is when you look for new episodes from us. That being said, definitely hit the notification bell at the bottom if you haven't already so you get little updates on when we do drop new content because in addition to the main episodes on Monday and Wednesday evenings, we do release additional content throughout the week um, that I certainly hope and think you might like. Uh, so again, d just definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, that being said, we will also be releasing another uh, segment for the Dictionary for Leftist Dickheads and Patriots who are smart enough to know this crap already come tomorrow night, Tuesday night. For those of you who like the one we did last week covering masculinity, we got another one for you coming up tomorrow covering equality. So definitely tune in for that. Um, but in any event, uh, I am your host, Joshua Stanko, saying stay safe. Stay informed, and uh, God bless, guys. We'll catch you next time.